0: Welcome back to Weftech Live. I'm the host, Travis Loop. Very special guest, honored to have Assistant Administrator for Water from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, Radica Fox, here with us in the studio. Good to see you. Thanks for coming.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Travis. And it's so great to be back at Weftech. Yes, it's, it's great to have you here.
0: And Weftech is booming this year. Weftech really is, is, is back, so it's it's good. Uh, you. Come from this space, right? You were at San Francisco PUC. You were you headed up the U.S. Water Alliance. We, you know, you're a partner with WEF, yeah. um, and and now you have gone on to this incredible leadership position. What does that What does that feel like for you? How has it been?
1: Yeah. It's uh, honestly, I think you've heard me say, Travis, this is water's moment. Mm-hmm. So it is so exciting. I feel actually so honored to take um, all of the experiences. Um, and the community that I built were first working at a water utility and then at the U.S. Water Alliance and to bring that to the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one thing that I'm just really excited and am proud about is to try to take the perspective of a local water utility that, you know, that many of the policy decisions, the investment decisions, the regulatory decisions that we make. We want to make sure they're durable. Hmm. We want to make sure that they're implemented well. And I think having that, that local utility experience and then having the experience at the US Water Alliance partnering with organizations like WEF, I carry all of that. Uh, each and every day into the decisions I'm making at the EPA.
0: Mm. So valuable to have that perspective from from that side that you impact with your decisions at EPA. Um, right. so some of the biggest news that's happened during your tenure is Congress passed uh, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, 50 billion-ish dollars for water, uh, historic funding. Could you talk a little bit about what that means from your perspective and then how that funding is going to get, you know, out to the utilities and others that need to to use it on the ground?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think before answering that question, first, I just want to actually acknowledge Mm. the tremendous work of organizations like WEF and the U.S. Water Alliance and and all of the trade organizations who have worked really hard um, for really decades calling for this. Investment, whether it's, you know, the Water is Worth It campaign, mm-hmm. the Value of Water campaign. We have tried so hard <laughs> to make sure that this infrastructure, right, water infrastructure, which is so usually out of sight, out of mind, is more in the forefront when um, Congress is making decisions about investment. And so I just want to say the fact that we won $50 mm. billion dollars for water was because of that work. Mm. It was because we were trying to really speak with one voice on the value of water. Um, And so, you know, we've been working very hard over the last year um, with, uh, primarily with our state and tribal partners, to make sure to get these resources out. What's good about the, the water investment is a lot of it is going through some of the existing programs that water utilities around the country utilize, such as the State Revolving Loan Fund Program. So really what we've been focused on is making sure that we're not just putting resources into the programs in the same usual ways, but we're really taking an eye towards the other sort of one water goals we Mm -hmm. have. How do we make sure we make these investments in a way that's climate resilient? How do we do it in a way that is really ensuring that disadvantaged communities and the utilities that serve disadvantaged communities are accessing these funds? So um, it's actually going pretty well. We have uh, about over 30 states already have their first year of funding and they're mm-hmm. starting to get those checks out the door <laughs> to local water systems in their state. So it's, a, it's an incredible time in water.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh- Something also that is is I think this moment is around environmental justice water equity affordability these are, are really important topics that have risen to the to the front of the list yeah. um, what what is the office of water doing on that front what's your what's your approach on that front and maybe even the intersection of those issues with the funding
1: right um, well so for us, you know water equity is about making sure that the Um, The choices that we're making at EPA, whether it's where our funding and financing programs are investing, whether it's how we are thinking about our regulatory rulemaking Mm -hmm. and the impacts on on, on various communities to make sure that all of the things that we do benefit every person in this country, regardless of the color of their skin, how much money they have in their pocket, or what their zip code is. So that's really what, what water equity and environmental justice is about for us. And we're doing a range of things. So, mm-hmm. for example, in as it relates to the bipartisan infrastructure law, you know, about 49% of those dollars have to be provided as um, grants mm-hmm. or uh, principal forgiveness loans uh, to disadvantaged communities. So. Um, from developing the guidance that has shaped those resources, we're really excited that about 22 states have changed their definition mm. of disadvantaged communities to really open up more opportunities mm. for folks. Um, we're providing an unprecedented amount of technical assistance um, to uh, smaller systems, to rural systems, mm. to uh, distressed urban systems, so that they really can have a fair shot at accessing those funds. So. Um, so those are some of the ways that yeah. we're really thinking about equity and environmental justice. I, I should also say it's an incredible, you know, uh, you are an ex-EPA, your EPA yeah. alumni. Prou- very proud, um, yes. And we sure miss you at the Office <laughs> of Water. But one thing that's also really incredible that is, I think, um, just a game changer for the EPA is... Just a couple of weeks ago, we announced the establishment of a new national program office Mm. uh, focused on environmental justice and civil rights. So um, that is going to have several hundred staff working in all of our EPA regions to uh, really think about environmental justice and civil rights across all of our media, air, land, water. And um, over time, we'll also have a Senate-confirmed assistant administrator to guide that work. I'm incredibly proud of our, uh, our EPA administrator, Michael Regan, for his vision around that, because I do think that that is going to really embed and institutionalize so, ma- so many of these goals into the very fabric of, of EPA as an institution. Yeah,
0: that that's absolutely a, a, a huge milestone to establish a, a national program dedicated to that. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one of the the... Probably the hottest issues out here, what a lot of people are talking about around WEFTEC yeah. is PFAS. Yeah. Uh, very challenging situation in many respects. Uh, EPA, I know you all are taking a variety of actions, not just Office of Water, but beyond. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about EPA's approach to PFAS right now? Yeah. And then especially on the water side with health advisories and the CERCLA and so forth. Absolutely. This, yes. this could be an entire uh, conversation yes, for an hour right now. it could be right a now. day. Yes. Right, <laughs> So,
1: yeah absolutely. So um, so one of the things that I do for the EPA, in addition to serving as the Assistant Administrator, is I'm the co-chair of our PFAS Council. And, you know, when Administrator Regan took office, or, you know, took um, over the, the reins of EPA, you know, it was one of his first actions to establish this PFAS Council. And it was very much um, informed and inspired by his work when he was um, Secretary of the North Carolina Department mm-hmm. of Environmental Quality. And, you know, the challenges of things like Gen X and the Cape Fear River. And he actually formed partnerships with EPA all the way back Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. that helped inform their strategy in North Carolina but anyway, the idea of the PFAS Council is, you know, for too long, we've taken these sort of individual actions around PFAS, right? But if we're really going to make progress on tackling um, PFAS, which is such a complicated mm-hmm. um, chemical, it, you know, and and the way it transmits from air to land to water and back again, is is really quite complex, mm-hmm. right? Um, probably like something we've never seen before, and so. What we did through the PFAS Council is for the first time really um, established an overall approach to how we would tackle this issue. Because if the air office looked at it separately from land and emergency management separately from water, we wouldn't be able to make the gains. So our focus now is on three things. Research, restrict, and remediate. Mm. We know that there's still a lot we have to learn about PFAS, how it affects human health, how it affects the environment. So we are really investing in building the scientific foundation, the research, and, and really grounding that in research. Um, Then we really are focusing on restrict, right? We know that the best way to keep people safe and our environment safe is to make sure that PFAS never enter the environment in the first place. Mm -hmm. So we need to really restrict how they get into our air, land, and water. And then finally, we have to remediate, right? We know that there are too many communities that suffer from PFAS contamination, and we have to really accelerate that. So that's our focus, Mm -hmm. research, restrict, remediate. Within the Office of Water, um, we uh, The health advisories came out earlier this summer, and they, I think, basically share the latest science that we know about for, uh, for PFAS compounds, as well as what a lot of the uh, test methods and, and treatment techniques are. Um, I'm proud to say that we just uh, last week transmitted our proposed uh, drinking water uh, rule for PFAS mm. to OMB, and uh, we're really on track to release that rule by the end of the year. Um, I think what um, what the water community can ex- expect with that is that we'll both be establishing an MCLG and maximum contaminant level goal uh, for PFAS, and then also what the enforceable standard, which will be. Um, and it is very much grounded in science, in the law, and we started talking about local water utilities, you know, really brought the perspective of implementation Mm. uh, as we uh, developed that rule and excited for it to be proposed soon. Uh, On CERCLA, um, you know, I wanna actually uh, thank and appreciate many of the water utilities and the water associations, because even though that's not a rule that is promulgated by the Office of Water, We really heard um, the perspectives um, and the concerns that um, utilities had around that, and so we've been really working closely with the Office of Land and Emergency Management to really, I think, protect um, the interests of water agencies in the context of that rulemaking.
0: Fantastic. Very, very good information on PFAS. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one of the other topics that's on the mind of a lot of people here at Weftech and at a lot of water utilities around the country is biosolids yeah. uh, and the ability to continue the beneficial use of biosolids. Uh, there's questions and concerns about what's in biosolids, the intersection with PFAS and all that. What's going on at the Office of Water yeah. when, it, when it comes to biosolids? What are you looking at and, and what's kind of, uh, you know, on your plate there
1: yeah um well i will certainly say that the issue of biosolids and pfas uh is is an absolute frontier issue mm. uh that's for a the very water that's industry. a very good way to put it, it. Is, yeah it is yeah. a it is a frontier issue and it's you know i think we have to frankly acknowledge there's a lot that we don't know mm. um as an industry about it right I think that, you know, for us at the Office of Water, we recognize that um, biosolids and making sure that utilities can preserve, you know, their their three primary ways to address biosolids, including land app- application, are essential mm-hmm. to this country. They're essential for effective utility management. Uh, so we, we need to figure out a path forward that um, allows and encourages the ongoing use of, bi- of all three modes of, of, of addressing, you know, whether it's incineration, land application, et cetera, mm. um, for the water utility. And we have to do it in a way that is also protective of public health. So one of the things that we're doing right now is um, you know, typically in the whole sort of biosolids regulatory development process, we start with a risk assessment. So we're in the process of doing that and that will kind of inform future actions. But what we also know is that you know, states are moving on this issue of biosolids, mm. you know, the legislation in Maine, mm. but then we also have the you know sort of Michigan mm-hmm. uh, approach, which is much more about adaptive management. And so one of the also the things that we uh, are planning to do in the coming months is working with uh, our association partners um, to really think about what we as an industry to, can do together, mm. even as that regulation is being developed. And so really look forward to working with uh, you know, WEF mm. on that with NACWA have initiated discussions with ECOS, which is the uh, environmental you know Council of Environmental Secretaries, uh, but also NASWA, which is the Association mm. of the State Agricultural uh, Commissioners, because what we're actually seeing is um, the ag community also having a lot of questions, and so I think kind of bringing the water utilities and the ag um, the ag sector together on kind of you know consensus solutions is going to be really important
0: yeah absolutely uh with the last minute we have here uh you asked we had a waterside chat about the clean water act 50th you yeah. like to ask people what their favorite body of water is yes. uh you told you said what yours is i want you to just share that and why it is your favorite so what's your favorite body Only of if water? You share and first i'm i'm uh I'm in the ocean. I I guess Atlantic because that's where I live. Yeah. Um, because I'm a surfer, and that that is yeah, my healing it. place. Absolutely, being in that water. So, uh, yeah.
1: Well, we share. Well, we share that. So for me, it's the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for me, I just when I, and now I'm of course living in in the DC area. Yeah. So I miss that ocean. I know, but I mean, just the the you know, dipping my toes in that ice cold water having the sounds of the waves soothing mm. me, um, you know, the just the endless hours that I have spent um, with my children from when they were babies mm. to now teenagers, <laughs> you know, exploring all of our local beaches. Um, that's my favorite body of water. It's um, why I do what I do—to to protect that. Uh, now, for now, and also for future generations.
0: Fantastic, Radica, a real treat uh, to have you. An honor to have you in our studio. Uh, as a as a former EPAer, uh, I'm I'm really happy to have you leading that office of water there. So, thank you for coming in and having the conversation.
1: Thank you. It's been great to be with.